We want to give you an opportunity to also be a part of our Connect Group Fair and um, check out any ministries that you may be interested in serving in or uh, any small groups that are going on this summer uh, that you would like to be a part of. We want to give you that opportunity today at the end of the service, so just be aware of that um, as we continue on this, this morning in our service with uh, the Word of God. And, uh, you know, if you look in your notes, uh, I do want to make one correction that it is totally 100% my fault, is that uh, the points, um, the scripture passes, the title, and the scripture passes that the title is correct, Mark chapter 14. However, the points scripture passages are incorrect. That was my goof uh, on that. And so it is actually following that scripture passage. So change that chapter 11 in each point to uh, chapter 14. Um, that's where we're going to be finding it. Otherwise, I'm going to be confusing a lot of people this morning. Um, and I don't want to do that. So that's where we are this morning. Mark chapter uh, 14. Uh, we're going to be reading uh, the NIV version, verses 1 through 11, talking about the heart of worship and what this means to uh, our lives and how do, we, how do we worship God. Worship is more than just songs we will sing on a Sunday. Worship is how you live your life every single day of your life. And when you love something, when you have a heart for something, how many know that you will pour that out? That, uh, that team you love dearly, no matter how poor of a season they may have at times, you're going to pour out your love for that team. You're going to make it known. And you go to a stadium, and you're there in the stadium. How many know by the end of that game, everybody's going to know who you're rooting for because you are going to clap, you're going to shout, you're going to stand up or whatever it may be for your team, regardless of that team. And uh, the year they're having, you're going to make it known. And as well as in any marriage, you know, you're going to be, you know, it's one thing to tell your spouse maybe uh, that you love them. But how many know, especially guys, you got to show that love, okay? You can't just forget anniversaries and birthdays. Otherwise, you're going to have a rough, rough time. Amen? Um, You know, some of your spouses are nudging each other. But you can't forget that stuff. You know, you got to act on love. It's more than just a feeling. It has to act. And so this morning we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 14. It's one of the scripture passages that you, if you want to know what a person whose heart is just being poured out on Jesus, who truly just loves Jesus with everything within them, Jesus will even say this at the end of the story, that he wants this story told to everyone, wherever this gospel goes, wherever this is preached, that he wants this story to be told. Because if there is one example Jesus would have for somebody who truly worshiped God with everything within them, this is the story to read. And it's a challenge to all of us about realizing about who God is and about what he's done for us and about pouring out our love on Jesus. And it requires not just a feeling, but it requires action also. And I think this is going to be a challenge uh, for us, a good challenge today. And if you're looking at it in Mark chapter 14, We'll read the the first couple of verses to kind of set the scene of what's going on. It says this, Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him, but not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. As we read that passage, this is a big deal. This is a festival that would bring in hundreds of thousands of people into the city of Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. And there would be many people there. And so this is the reason why you see them doing the things they do during the middle of the night. is because they didn't want to get this crowd rioting against what is going on, what they're trying to do here. And so this is an important uh, week for them. 
And as you read verses 3 through 9, this is what Mark is writing here is more of a flashback story. That this is not necessarily uh, talking about chronological order. He's setting up a story about, or he's setting up this scene of Jesus being betrayed. But at the same time, Mark is writing about the fact that just because there are certain individuals against Jesus, not everybody's against Jesus. And if you would read this in John chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, it will tell you exactly when it's happening. It's happening days before this particular day. But Mark is giving us a flashback story that just because Judas may be against Jesus, against Jesus and these religious leaders are against Jesus, not everybody is against Jesus. There are people, in fact, who truly love Jesus with all of their heart and who are willing to pour out their worship, pour out everything they have so that they can simply just be with Jesus. This is a story that truly touches the heart of God. It really moves the heart of God. And I think it's going to help us this morning to identify what God is looking for in a person. And it's a question that we have to ask ourselves, is, how, is do we love Jesus? And if we could take that a step further, how much do you love him? Even a step further, are you loving him as much as you should? Are you loving him as much as you could? Or... What is this love? How, how can you measure this love that you have for Jesus? It's a question that we have to ask ourselves because love is more than a feeling. It has to act. Jesus would even say, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. It's more than just saying you love them. It's, are you going to act it? Are you going to act it out? Jesus wants this story told to all the world so that everyone, especially in this room, including us, would know the heart of worship. What captures the attention of, of God? What does God look for in us? And how can we worship Him? And there are three principles this morning you're going to read from this story that are going to touch the very, it's going to touch the very heart of God. This, um, at this time, when they look at Judas betraying Jesus, when he officially makes that, basically he's going to commit to that in verses 10 through 11, actually follow through on some of that. They're believing that this is to be a Wednesday by Friday. Jesus will be on the cross. Again, verses 3 through 9 is more of a flashback story for us to show us that not everybody is against Jesus. There are people for him. And this morning, we're going to look at three principles today that, uh, that a person who has a heart of worship, what does that look like in us? What would that look like in an individual? And we're going to be reading this. Verses 3 uh, is going to tell us the first principle is this. Love his presence person who has a heart of worship is going to love his presence. It's going to love being in the presence of God. It says this in verse 3. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came in with an alabaster jar, very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head, on Jesus' head. This town of Bethany is, is a well-known place for Jesus. There's a family that he's particularly close to. You might know their names if I, when I speak them. Lazarus. Mary and Martha, they are particularly close individuals to Jesus. John chapter 12, verse 3 will tell us the same story, and it gives the identity of who's doing this. It is Mary. She is pouring out her love on Jesus with this perfume. John chapter 11 talks about Lazarus being raised from the dead, from death death to life, and it's an amazing story. Jesus Often, this is an important principle for us, that it's more than just being in the house of God. It's about being the church and being in the community as well. Because Jesus would often do this. He would be in the synagogue or what we would call a church, or he would be in a temple. But he would also 
go from town to town and be in people's homes. He would minister to them. And a lot of his great things that took place in his ministry happened outside of the four walls because he was reaching out to people because we have to do, and we have to do the same. We have to reach out to people. He saw the importance of that. If you read in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, you will read about a particular passage of Jesus coming into the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Martha is getting the preparations made. This is a, this is their entertainment for this community. I mean, I mean, for these communities. They don't have direct TV. They don't have Blu-ray DVDs that they can just watch. Okay. They, this is their entertainment. When somebody important comes to town, they will come to the house of where that person is staying. So you have people who are there who are going to be eating the meal. They're inside. You'll have others, a crowd gather around the home, looking in, observing what's going on. That is their entertainment. And so this is what's taking place here. So you can only imagine the stress Martha must be having. She's getting everything prepared. Mary, her sister, who should be helping her according to her standard, is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus, and Martha gets mad. In fact, she's so mad, get this, she orders the Son of God to tell her sister to get to work. I mean, you talk about a person who is confident that, th- that she is in the right, that she's willing to order the Son of God to tell her sister to do something and basically jesus will respond to her by saying this martha martha you are worried and upset about many things but only one thing is needed needed mary has chosen what is better it will not be taken from her notice it says better serving is wonderful we should serve jesus taught us that but let us not be so consumed with serving that we forget about being in the presence of god that we can be so concerned about doing stuff for Jesus that we've forgotten about the fact that Jesus needs to pour more into you so that you can continue to pour out the love that he has given you, that you can continue to share, that you can continue to be joyful because otherwise you're just going to wear yourself out. You've got to be careful. Jesus isn't saying serving is a bad thing. In fact, she was doing a good thing. She, Martha was doing a very good thing, but Mary chose the better Because she knew that in order for me to pour out the love of Jesus that he has given me, I've got to be in his presence. I've got to enjoy that. That's the point that Jesus is making. In this story, you see uh, Mary pour out this expensive perfume. It's important to know, I guess, if you want to measure how much she's giving here. This is a large portion. They would identify it to be about a year's wages. In the Greek, that's about 300 denarii for them. If you would read the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, when the disciples said to Jesus, go and send them into the, the villages and the towns to go get food, Jesus said, you give them something to eat. What did they do? They measured the amount of what that would take. And they said, that's about a half a year's wages. In the Greek, that means about 200 denarii. That's feeding 5,000 men. They, they're not talking about women and children. They didn't count that in their number. They were talking about men. So you're looking at that particular part of what Jesus is saying, feeding 15, probably 20,000, who knows, based upon the families. So this woman, this Mary lady, is pouring out more than that. In one moment, in one moment, she's giving something that's very expensive to Jesus. She's pouring out her love to Jesus. And it's an amazing thing. This is something that she probably inherited because... Um, this is a very expensive thing to possess. And 
you know, for just kind of understanding why does she have this. When they would walk into a room, they didn't have showers like we do and shower maybe every day or whatever it may be. And so there would be a little bit of a B.O. in the room. So they needed a little drop of perfume as each guest has come into the home. And more than likely that has happened. But now Jesus is being having this being poured on him. And it's not necessarily Mary's house. This is Simon the leper's house. Now, obviously, he's probably not a leper at this time, because if you had leprosy, people would avoid you at all costs, because you were considered to be unclean, contagious, whatever, and they would avoid you. So more than likely, this guy has been identified by who he was, being a former leper, so they continue to call him Simon the leper. This would be a way for the people to identify who he was, and more than likely, he's been healed by Jesus. This is why they're coming, probably coming to their house, And Jesus is sitting down having a meal with them. And this is what Mary does. She pours out something so expensive. I can't even begin to imagine giving it all a year's worth in one moment. I mean, think about the salaries maybe you make. Would you be willing to pour it all out in one moment? Would you be willing to do that? And this is a very interesting passage, obviously. And I think what has happened with the disciples as they've measured out the amount they're giving they are actually not realizing how much they're withholding from Jesus. There's an important principle in that. That so many times we can become calculating what we give to Jesus that we're not realizing how much we're withholding from him. Now, we're not truly giving him everything. We're actually withholding something from him, and we've got to be careful with that. Because a person who truly loves the Lord doesn't determine how much they can hold back, but they determine how much they can give. That's a person who truly loves the Lord. Because too many times, even in a worship service like this, this is his sanctuary. This is not our sanctuary. This is a dedication to him. This is not a dedication to us. This is where we've come to worship God. And what does God expect of us and how we should praise him in his sanctuary? Well, the psalmist over and over and over will tell you how to praise God in his sanctuary. The Bible says to make a joyful noise. This isn't an audition for the voice. So if you're out there in the crowd and you're singing along and maybe you don't want to sing because you're concerned about what somebody may think of you if you sing and they may be like, man, that doesn't sound very good. Listen, the Bible's got you covered. It says make a joyful noise. It doesn't say you have to be good at it. It just says make a joyful noise. In Psalm 134, verse 2, it says, lift your hands in the sanctuary, in his sanctuary. Lift your hands. Some of us, we won't even do that because we feel uncomfortable. When we do that, can I just suggest to you that it's, this worship service isn't about our preferences, that the psalmist is challenging us saying this is what God expects. This is what God desires when we come to worship him in this place. This is what he expects. This is what he desires to lift our hands, to worship with our mouth. I mean, it's a challenging thing. And for some of us, we won't do one or we won't do either. Or we we just do it half heartedly. And here's so many times, this is what we'll say, well, I just don't feel worthy. I've had a bad week. Listen, it's not about whether or not you feel worthy. It's about he is worthy, so let's give him the, worthy, the worthiness he deserves. Too many times we worry about, well, this is how I feel. Listen, it's not about the feeling. It's about when I love Jesus, when I say I love Jesus, I'm going to do what he wants me to do. And if he wants me to lift my hands, that's what I'm going to do. Listen, I'm not telling you this because Pastor Daniel is going to get a raise if you raise your hand or not, okay? That's, that's not what this is about. I'm not telling you this because we're going to count to see who raises a hand who doesn't. Listen, this isn't a competition. This is not a competition. 
This is about, you know what, I'm going to pour out my heart to Jesus because I know what he did for me. And listen, if the presence of God does not enthrall you, then nothing will. I mean, this is, this is God. Who is God? I mean, he's, there's no one in comparison to him. He says there's no one who's my equal. He, he gave his one and only son to die on a cross for sin that would have condemned us to hell. But because he died on the cross, he gives people a chance. This is the King of kings and, lords of, and the Lord of lords. This is the one who created the universe. There is no equal to him. So we don't worship the same according to the world standards. We give him more praise. We give him more worship. We give our heart to him. And we worship with our whole heart. Because if you decide to worship God based upon your preference, you've reduced, to it, you've reduced it to a personal preference rather than the very presence of God, enjoying the presence of God. You've lost the meaning of why we're here. You may say, well, I don't like that song, and I like this song. I'll worship when it's this song, but not that song. I'll, I'll worship when this person sings, and this person doesn't sing. I don't want them singing, so I'm not going to worship when they do sing, but I'll worship when this person sings. Or when this passage is talked about, man, I'll, di- I'll take notes. Or this speaker, I'll take notes. But if it's this person speaking, if this is this passage, I'm not taking notes. I don't want anything to do with that. And if it's, you know, and on and on and on and on and on we go. And then you realize you've reduced this, this place to a level of your personal preference. And you're missing out on the most important part about being in the very presence of God. This presence of God will transform a human being. That's how powerful it is. So let's be careful of how we prefer things to be. And let's just enjoy being in his presence and loving his presence. Because it's, it's very, very common, especially if you've been in church for a while, to start reducing this place to a level of your personal preference. I'm not saying you can't have an opinion, but I'm saying regardless if it goes according to your preference or not, we're going to honor the Lord, whether you, if it's your preference or not, if it's my preference or not, we're going to honor the Lord. We're going to do what the Bible says. We're going to lift and make a joyful noise of the Lord. We're going to lift our hands. We're We're going to believe God to do amazing things. Amen? This is what it's all about. So let's not reduce this whole idea that it's about our personal preference when it's not. It's about him being worthy of all of the praise. Because love is more than a feeling. It has to act. And so let's act on that feeling. And this morning, the second principle today is that the person who has a heart of worship is different from the world. In verses 4 through 5 and 10 through 11, very quickly it reads this, Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve in verse 10, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this, promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. And this morning, as you read this passage, you have to understand what, what, what's really going on. Because if I know anything about this culture, and I've been to places where they have this, they, they speak about certain things, sometimes, and a lot of times they're very intense people, and they can speak very loudly, and especially these people that we're talking about here. They were known to make their opinion. Like, and it says it here. They, indignantly, they said this. They were angry. In other words, let me, let me show you. How, why this waste? They were passionate. Because why? Because they wanted to make it about them. They wanted to show Jesus what their righteousness was like. They wanted to show God 
this is how righteous I am. I am pointing out a flaw in somebody's life, and this is how, this is how it should have been done. They're trying to act better than they were, and Jesus knew their very heart. Jesus knew what they were like. Jesus knew what they were doing behind the scenes. Jesus knew what Judas was doing. And who's the leader of this conversation? Well, if you read John, you, John identifies the leader of this conversation as Judas. And even in verse 10 through 11, it shows us Judas, what he's doing. And the other stories and how they, they talk about it, they, were, they talk about how Judas would help himself to the money. He would steal from the ministry. He would take it. And all the while, he's, Jesus isn't the military Messiah that I thought he was. I thought we were going to be these fierce warriors. And Jesus is doing the opposite. He's being peaceful. He's, he's trying to reach people. He's trying to reach the Romans. He's trying to reach us. He's trying to reach those who are poor, reach those who are sick. That's not the one I was anticipating to come. And so I'm, giving, I'm getting rid of him. I'm taking it, matters into my own hands. And let us be careful. This is a lesson we can learn. Let us be careful in criticizing somebody's enthusiasm and worship. Because you're doing exactly what Judas did. You're critiquing the way somebody's worshiping and their enthusiasm they have. Listen, you can worship God and be respectful, lift your hands and lift your voice. You can do all of that in a worship service. You can do that. It's about doing what God desires. And it's going to be different from the world. The world's not going to, they're going to consider it, like the scripture says, they're going to consider it a waste of time. They're going to consider you coming to church. Maybe you come on Wednesday and they're like, man, you're going twice a week. Like, how much time do you got? Like, do you not have anywhere else to be? Like, man, you're going to a small group? Like, even that? I mean, like, come on. Like, do you not, do you not want to come hang out with us where we're going? Like, what we're doing? I mean, you... I mean, you you got to read the Bible and pray. Like, don't you want to sleep in, like, a little bit? Or maybe you've got some other things you want to do. Like, you're giving and tithe and missions. Like, do you have too much money? Like, do you just not know what to do with it? Like, like understanding, like, I don't understand. Don't, don't you want to do stuff for your house or for this or for that? And you want to buy a car? Don't you want to do all those things? Make payments on stuff? And, and all the while, you're trusting God's provision. You're not trusting the world. And the world's not going to understand that because it's opposite to what they think. You mean you do, you do what with your kids? Like your kid is talented. They should, be, they should be out there in the community things. They should be doing those things. And you're putting them in church when they could be doing something else. They, they are talented. And you have them going to a small group. You have them going to a church. Yeah, and they could be doing so many more things with what they've been given. In fact, the world will criticize you and they will criticize your parenting. And they will think, what a waste. What a waste of money, what a waste of talent, what a waste of resources and time. They will not understand. And listen, if you're being challenged this morning, maybe you need to get involved in a small group or the church itself, or maybe you need to come here around more often. Maybe you need to give, start giving. Can I ask you this? Because this is what will happen. How is it going for you doing it your way? Do you have more free time because you give the church no time? I mean, think about it. What are you going to do with that free time? You're just going to fill it up. Do you, are, you, are you more comfortable financially by not giving anything with your tithe or with missions? Are you more comfortable financially, or is there much more stressful things that you've got to save up for? Are there more things that you've got to do with your resources? And you, don't, you can't, because if you do, you may not have that particular thing in your life, and you've got to have that. Listen, 
Is it going better for you doing it your way? Are you having more life-giving relationships with people because you're not in a small group? Are, are you just having acquaintances in your life? No one's pouring into you. You're not meeting anybody. There's no relationship that's deep that you're getting to know somebody. They're getting to know you. They're investing time into you. All right, is it going better for you with friendships? Making Christian friends, in fact. It's one of the biggest things that have, people in the church have problems with. They, they have a hard time making friends, making connections. I mean, is it going well according to your way, or, you, or, or should we do it God's way? I mean, in Acts, it talks about these people meeting in the homes over and over and over. When we do it God's way, He's going to provide each and every time. I could go on and on with this. Are you seeing God's power more in your life because you pray less or pray not at all? Are you, are you gaining more knowledge in the word, or in just in general, because you don't spend any time in the Word, or maybe you should flip-flop that. Maybe I should pray more. Maybe I'll start seeing more of God's power. Maybe I should start reading the Word more, because maybe I'll start to gain wisdom. And God's wisdom is a lot better than human wisdom, amen? Maybe I need to start doing that, because listen, when you do it God's way, God says He's going to provide every single time for you. He's not going to withhold it. He wants to bless you. He wants to. Last part is this, very quickly. Is a person who has a heart of worship is known by God. It says this in verse 6 through 9. It says, Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering me? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. What Jesus is saying here in verse 7, I just want to clarify. People saying, well, Jesus doesn't care about the poor. No, he does care for the poor. He's, he's basically call, he's calling them out on something. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, he make, this statement is made. The poor will always be among you and take care of those people. What was happening, these people were taking care of the poor when it was convenient for them. When it was, when it was the good season for them. But when it became inconvenient, well, I don't have time for you. Jesus is talking about, no, you were always supposed to take care of them. You were always supposed to do that. And you haven't done it. It's not about whether it's a good season for you, a bad season for you, or a challenging season for you. Take care of those who are less fortunate than you. Not just financially, but maybe if somebody needs a friend. Don't just look at them and say, well, I feel bad for them. No, do something about it. God's put it in your heart. Do something. It's about acting out what God has called us to do. And this is what it says in verse 8. She did what she could. This, and she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This person, would be, she would be known by God, and for future generations, we would know what God's word is telling us and how he wants us to worship him with our whole heart. Everything belongs to him, that we structure our priorities around him, not around us, not around necessarily our families, not necessarily around our careers. We, we, produce, we have these priorities centered around Jesus, and we allow Jesus to speak. She did what she could. This is a phrase that the commentary I was reading was focused on, and I've been focusing on it a lot, because I believe we need to be asked this question, are you doing everything you could do? And this is a word for somebody. As I was preparing this, this came to my mind, that there are those in your life, that there are people in your life, family member or friend, that has walked away from the Lord, and you've asked yourself, maybe if I would have done more, maybe if I would have prayed more, maybe if I would have read the Bible more, God's telling you, you did everything you could. You did everything you could. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. But continue, because you're doing everything you could. 
It's in his hands. Let it be in his hands. He's the best person to trust something with. And this morning as you read this, you have to ask yourself, have I done everything I could? Have I managed my time well? Have I managed my resources well? Have I, have I done all of this? It's not about competition. It's about submitting to the Lord. It's about being submitted to being involved in something that's bigger than you or maybe even more inconvenient for you. Because listen, this, this Mary did not feel like she lost anything, but that she gained everything. She knew what she had. She knew what she gained when she poured it out on Jesus. Listen, this woman had great faith. You understand Jesus hadn't been on the cross yet. Jesus hasn't risen from the dead yet. And she was willing to believe even before that even happened. That's incredible faith. That's incredible worship. So when we structure ourselves with small groups, this is why we do what we do. It's because we want life-giving relationships. We want people to be connected. We want people to serve. We want people to be a part of something bigger than them. This is what it's all about. And this is why I have my ladder here. I'm going to tell this very quickly so that you have time for the, for the Connect Group Fair. But, um, you know, as you follow the Lord, as you take steps of faith, you know, and each time you take a step of faith, you're getting closer and closer to Jesus and you're loving Jesus. You're doing what Jesus commanded you. And the first thing that we have to come to know is that we've got to make that confession in faith and belief in Jesus Christ. And so when you take that first step, you're saying, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. I haven't given my life to him, but I'm going to. And I'm going to start this journey with Jesus. I'm going to believe that he is the son of God, that he rose from the dead, that he came to rescue me from my sins. You take that first step. And you obviously, after a while, you, gotta, you start to think like, well, I, gotta, I feel like there's more. You know, and there's, there's always more. Because God wants you to grow. God wants you to get closer to him. So one of the things that reason why we offer water baptism is because that's one of the, the steps that you need to take. It's one of the first steps Jesus asked to get water baptized. Because you need to make your faith public. So whether you've been saved and you believe, and you say, well, I haven't been water baptized. I've been saved for 20 years, though. Listen, challenge yourself to get water baptized because it's what the Scripture says. God doesn't exempt anybody. God doesn't show favoritism. That's what the Scripture tells us. So let's, let's get water baptized. So, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make my faith public. I'm going to let the people know in my church that I'm getting water baptized. I'm believing faith. You're wondering how far I'm going to go. I know that. But... Um, you know, after, I mean, obviously the, the steps are bigger down here. It's more comfortable down here, isn't it? It's, you feel more secure. But the closer you go up, how many know the riskier and, more, and the riskier it gets? And you start to panic a little bit. And then you say, okay, I got to get plugged into church. I want to get reading God's word. I want to make sure that what I'm thinking is accurate with the word of God. And so I need somebody else speaking into my life so that I'm understanding correctly and not incorrectly. And so I need to be involved in the church to do that, okay? Okay, now, okay, you want me to get involved in a small group, okay, or serve, or whatever it may be. Um, okay, God, I'm going to take that step. I'm going to step in faith. I'm going to believe in faith and just trust you. And all the while, you're getting closer and closer to Jesus, and you look down, and it may be a little scary, but at the same time, you look down, and you see where God has brought you from to where you are now, and you start to be encouraged by, wow, Look where God brought me from four or five years ago. Look where I am now. This is an amazing experience. This is as far as I'm going right now because I don't want to go any higher, okay? Now, um, I don't want to stay in the, I'm getting the hospital today. All right, so, you know, this is what, this is, and this is even why I do it, is because a lot of times this is where we stay. It's more secure. It's easier. It feels more safe. 
And over time, you start to get comfortable. Over time, you just start saying, I've done enough. I may be retired or I may be, I've done other things. I've done enough. I've been on missions trips. I've given. I've, I've done all that. I'm done. Like, that's enough, right? And God's saying, no, there's so much more for you. And yes, it may require more faith. But it's much more exciting than sitting here doing absolutely nothing. It's much more exciting when you're believing God for impossible things than they become possible than you staying where you are and you've already, the best days are behind you when the Bible talks over and over about the best days are yet to come for your life. And so let's continue moving forward towards God. And the more steps you take, the riskier it's going to be for you, but I can guarantee it, you're going to appreciate the fact that you trusted God over yourself and over what even other people may say about you. This is what God desires for each and every one of our lives. All you have to do is remember where God brought you from and where God has taken you and where he's already placed you and remember that God has much more for you. And it's not about staying where we are. It's about loving Jesus. And believe this, that like I said, Mary didn't feel like she lost anything, but she gained absolutely everything. She knew who Jesus was. She might not have known everything about her life in the future. She may not have known everything about Jesus in the future. But she knew who Jesus was. She knew how much Jesus loved the world and how much he loved her. That she was literally willing to do whatever it takes. And it says she was known. This for future generations, you would know her story. See, here's what we do. We look at the top and we say, man, I can never be that book writer. I can never be that speaker. I can never be involved in a church size like that. And I can't be a part of that. I can't do it because I'm not able to. As Stephen Furtick says, it's not about you being able. It's about you being available. God, this is what Tozer said. God listens to the one who, who, he speaks to the one who listens. He's speaking to those who will listen to him. So this morning, you know, a lot of times we put the pressure and we say on ourselves that we have to be something that, God, that God's not necessarily asking you maybe to be a book writer. Because some of the most influential people in my life, if I mention their names to you, you have no idea who they are. And if you would mention the people that are influential to you, who have shaped you and developed you to be the person that God has created you to be and who has helped you in this journey, I probably might not have any idea. The most important people are sometimes the ones who go unnoticed by the world. I'm not saying that those who write books, those who preach amazing sermons to thousands of people, those people, I'm not saying those people aren't important. They're important. They're, they're doing great work. But God may be calling you a different direction, but he's always calling you to go higher. He's always telling you to take a step. Amen? Amen. If you're here this morning and you would like to give your life to the Lord, we want to give you that opportunity right now. Very quickly, if with everyone's head bowed, eyes closed, if you're here and you would like to receive the Lord, if this is something that God is tugging on your heart, that you have not given your, relation, or given your life to the Lord, the Bible says to confess and believe and trust God that you, that you can follow Him, but you must confess and believe. And we're here to help you do that. In your bulletin this morning if you would like to mark off that you would like to follow jesus there's a box on the back of the connect card you can do that and i just want to know if there's anyone that i'm praying for today that is wanting to receive the lord i want to give you that opportunity it's the best decision of your life it's a decision that will transform you it's not an embarrassing moment it's a moment where god is proud for those who do listen you want to be known by god not necessarily known by the world because being known by God changes your eternity. 
Jesus says, what is it for a man to gain the whole world, but yet forfeit his very soul? What a tragedy that would be. That you wanted to be known by the world so much that God doesn't even know you because you don't have a relationship with him. And he wants to give you that opportunity right now. And if that's you, I just quickly want you to slip up your hand and say, here, that's me this morning, Pastor Bobby. I'm going to do that. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm going to give you just a moment. If you want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, just slip up your hand with everyone's head bowed, eyes closed. Just say, today is my day. I'm going to give you just a moment here. And if that's you, please raise your hand. Okay. Thank you so much. We're going to pray, and then we'll have the opportunity to receive uh, or have an opportunity to fellowship at our Connect Group Fair. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you, God, that you challenge us in your word and how to have this heart of worship. I pray that people here today would come to terms, Lord, with your preferences, not with our own preferences, that we will worship you, God, that we wouldn't worship the things of the world. We wouldn't worship ourselves, God, but that we would prioritize everything around you as Mary gives us a great example of that and how that got the attention of God. Lord, I thank you that your attention is on us, that you love us, and you want to take us higher than we've ever been before. I pray that we would trust you, Lord, and believe and just apply your word for what it says. In Jesus' name, amen.